Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great edition of Talking Ticks. I'm your host, Scott Gerard. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Another great win by the Tigers at home, beating Arkansas 56-20, to uh, which makes it four straight over the Hogs. Uh, so they retain the Golden Boot Award, but more importantly, the Tigers capture the SEC West Division. So they'll be playing for the SEC title in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll definitely get into that. We'll go over the game itself here in a second, uh, as long as other things that have happened in the college football world. But first, before we do, I uh, just wanted to suggest to those of you that are already not following us on Twitter, please do so at Talking Tigs. Uh, we're also on Facebook as the Talking Tigs podcast, and you can find us on iTunes and Spotify as well. Uh, before we get going, as usual, I always want to check in with my co-hosts and see how you guys are doing. Uh, I heard we actually finally got some of our uh, Talking Tigs credentials to get you guys down on the fields. I don't know if Verge finally came to his senses, uh, but uh, d- definitely please talk about that. But because uh, uh, you guys were at the game again and had some on-the-field access, so uh, how are you guys doing? How was the game? Doing great. Uh, game was good. You know, a uh, little bit of a scare in the first quarter, but we pulled it out and ended up, you know, winning handily. So, um, but yeah, we got to we got to go on the field for you know pregame. Have to give a, a big thanks to LSU legend and LSU Hall of Famer uh, Charles Alexander for um, hooking us up with that. We got to meet him and his, his uh, daughter and, you know, ha- hang out with him pregame and then kind of just uh, walk around on the field uh, while, they, while the Tigers warmed up. We got to see Joe Burrow up close and uh, Richard Lawrence, a Monroe guy, we got to see him. So it was really a cool experience and take some cool pictures. Um, and, again, we got to thank Charles Alexander for that one. Yeah, it was a really great time. Uh, thanks to him, friend of the podcast, we got some great pictures, which hopefully we'll be posting on our social media accounts here in the next couple of days. So y'all can kind of check out what we were seeing. And then a great game from there. Yeah, kind of a slow start, but a great wrap-up. And uh, still number one, so that's all that matters. Yes, indeed. And uh, I, I didn't want it to go without being noticed. The, uh, the, I thought you guys had a – that picture looked great. I don't know if you're using a filter, hashtag no filter or not. How You look great. But, Tommy, I noticed you, uh, you brought out the Gators for that one, huh? I saw those shoes, man. They look nice. Oh, it's actually uh, 100% genuine ostrich skin. Ostrich! Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's what I mean. They had quills. They were quills. Yep. Uh, man, you know, I had to. I mean, when you're when you're going on the field, you got to be stunting. So <laughs> yeah. I brought up my I brought up my finest boots. Um, you know, and yeah, it was it was an awesome experience. I've gotten to go on the field. You know, well, you we've all been on the field for when we stormed the field for Georgia. Um, and then yeah, we, we didn't have passes for that one. We did not have passes. Then whenever the spring game ends, you get to go on. So I've been on the field for them, but I've never been like during the regular season or before a game. So that was a really cool experience. Hold on. Yeah. So um, yeah, speaking of the game, I, I'm, I'm I can't wait to dive into this. Uh, you know, overall the it sounds silly to say, but you know the offense they kind of look the same. Uh, they did the same thing, but they, you know, broke new records. They they broke so many records. Uh, I, I want to save some for you guys to talk about. Uh, but you know, it's just incredible nights, incredible season offensively. Um, uh, the first thing I want to mention was they became the first team in SEC history to have a 4,000-yard passer, two 1,000-yard receivers, and a 1,000-yard rusher. Uh, that's Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, if you didn't know. Uh, so, I mean, they, they did this back in 2013 uh, with that group, Medenberger, uh, Landry, and OBJ, but uh, uh, this just completely surpasses that. And, you know, they still got four games to go. So, <laughs> uh, this I don't know if, uh, as Burrow said, I don't know if anyone's going to beat that one. But uh, great game offensively, defensively. Yeah, there was a, you know, a little stretch there. It looked kind of iffy, but you know, they came back and, and held their own. I thought they were improved in a lot of ways. Jacoby Stevens played uh, lights out. Uh, he had a full game, great game. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, uh, uh, go for it, uh, Tommy. What, uh, you know, overall impressions? Well, first of all, i got to give you props because you, before the game even, I mean, before the season even started, you predicted that we would, ha- that we would surpass that, that uh, you know, what, the 1,000-yard the receivers and then the, the – passer yeah. and the runner say yeah. rush or rusher I should say but yeah so that was it you know that was great um game overall is you know fun to be at a good atmosphere a little bit cold um but not too cold 
so good, uh, you know, decent weather. And, um, yeah, we started off a little bit slow, um, but, I mean, after about the, you know, right in the second quarter, we kind of took control, and, uh, yeah, Jacoby Stevens had an incredible game. You know, three sacks in the one game, in, in, in a single game from a safety. You don't see that that often. No, um, you don't. But, you know, and I was, I was saying to Daniel, I don't know, I feel like he's, I feel like he's had a few other sacks, maybe, or maybe, maybe not, but if he, he might be, have, he might be the sack leader for LSU right now, because they were saying that, um, you know, before the Bama game, Michael Divinity was the sack leader with like four or four and a half, so with yeah. a three-sack game, if he's got, uh, if he's got one or two more, you know, he's, he might have become the sack leader just in one game, um, but, you know, good performances by, by a lot of, uh, a lot of the defensive players, you know, unfortunate. It, this game, the f- final score is 56-20. Um, so the Tigers beat them by 36 points, which is a, you know, a nice margin. It probably, you know, they should have beat them by about 45 po- or 46 points because towards the end, those, you know, those two scores that they got were kind of flukes um, with the unfortunate, you know, onside kick and then uh, that turned into an easy score. So... Regardless, you know, it was a good performance. Offense is, is what it is. Come in, get the business done. You know, I, I love how, uh, you know, it, it, Joe Brady, Joe Burrow, and all, and all the company are, um, they're so, uh, I mean, they're like assassins. They go in and get it done, and they don't even really think twice about it. So uh, they're moving on to next week. I think everybody, everybody's looking forward to that uh, Texas A&M game. Yeah. They didn't even take time to celebrate. <laughs> right. Yeah, things pretty much went according to plan. We'll not uh, make a mess about it. Arkansas isn't the greatest competition. They, as Coach O said after the game, they haven't beaten anybody in a long time. But uh, we we did what we needed to do on offense. Uh, everybody took care of business. Clyde Edwards-Alaire with an amazing 89-yard touchdown, easily the highlight of the game. And then Joe Burrow continued on his march towards the Heisman. And, yeah, I mean, p- some people point to saying, oh, we gave up 20 points against Arkansas. That doesn't really tell the tale of the game. Defense was much improved over last week against Ole Miss and the previous week against Alabama because those 14 of the 20 came in mop-up duty at the very end when we had pretty much checked out and had the backups in at that point. But everybody did what they needed to do. A little bit of a quiet night from Justin Jefferson, um, but other than that, everybody did well. Uh, Grant Delpit was on the bench with an injury, and Maurice Hampton, a true freshman, played well, filling in for him. So we can talk about some more individual performances here in a second. But, yeah, about everybody, uh, hashtag did their job. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, speaking of did their job, um, uh, definitely Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards-Hillier did. And, you know, Joe, I, I don't know. It's like you'd have to think at this point he's probably had – you know, the most consistent performance uh, of any quarterback in the country, uh, of any, you know, Heisman candidate in the country. And, uh, you know, I just, I know next week wouldn't change things too much because he still has the SEC championship game, but, you know, I just, I, I don't see how it would slow down. Uh, Texas A&M has been okay this year. They're not great, though. I mean, they that game against Georgia, I know Georgia won, and they're they're excited. They're a good team, but it just didn't look that great. So uh, I think Texas A&M is probably going to come in here limping, but they're going to be ready to play. But they're going to be able to keep up with LSU. That's for sure. Um, I mean, they all the records that they said, it's just crazy. Uh, I only want to mention one. I thought uh, Thaddeus Moss was going to be you know my dark horse candidate for getting close to a thousand yards. Hopefully, being one of those. Uh, other ones in case the receiver went down. Uh, he's not close, but he did set uh, the record at LSU for the most receptions by tight end in a season. And um, they also set the most touchdowns by a team, an LSU team anyway, uh, at 70. Uh, they broke the 2007 team's record. So uh, you guys can sprinkle in some other records as you see fit. But the offense, yeah, you know, they had that first drive. It looked great. And then it kind of hit two little you know, bumps in the road there, two straight punts. But then, like you said, in the second quarter, they turned it on. And you could tell they wanted to turn it on, and they wanted that ball back. You know, they, they played position and time game to, to get that ball back so they could score right before the end of the half. And they did. And that kind of got them back up to where they needed to be. 
Well, what I really love about um, watching you know Joe Brady and and Steve Insminger's offense is you can almost watch them. You can you can tell that they that they're tinkering. You know what I mean? They I, I feel like they like in that first quarter. You know they tried a couple different things. Oh, maybe it works here. Maybe it doesn't work here. And then once they once they kind of crack the code and like they did in that second quarter. Or and and I mean this is not unique to this game. You know this is how it how it always it always seems to go like this. Once they kind of crack that code and find that exploit, um, it's it's you know off to the races, and yeah. then it's you know the points start raining in. And I remember um, you know sitting there thinking we were me and Daniel are sitting there and we're you know at first uh, I remember Daniel your dad texted you guys are we in trouble and Daniel texts yes <laughs> because it was I mean it was seven to three in the in the first quarter against you know a terrible Arkansas team and you're starting to think and I think a lot of us I know that I I know I feel this way. You start uh, questioning, and you say, "Oh man, is this the LSU of old? Are we playing down to our competition? Are we, are we gonna, you know, mess around with Arkansas for four quarters?" But it always seems that, um, you know, once they once they kind of crack that code, and uh, and start moving down, you know, they they figure out exactly what they need to do. The points just start coming out of nowhere, and before you know it, it's the second half, and we're up. Uh, I mean, what was it? Was it thirty-five to three or thirty-five to six at half? It's something like I that. Think, yeah, I think it was uh, twenty. Was it twenty-eight or thirty-one to six, something like that? I don't know. But, yeah, but you know, it, it was the mar- You know, we we just exploded with with points, and then it's you know it's a completely different game. And I mean, the amount of the amount of uh, uh, drives that we had that were under a minute, <laughs> like or two, you know two plays. Like I remember there was a guy there was a guy sitting behind us, and he kept going. There was one play where, where, or one drive where we scored in 46 seconds, and then the next drive we scored in 23 seconds, and then the next drive, I think it was, uh, it was, like we we got good ball, we got good positioning or something, it was, and then we scored in like nine seconds. So I mean, it, you know, it was a it, our offense is just so explosive and and it's it hasn't let up. They don't they keep their they keep their foot on the pedal all the at all times. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, Arkansas had more than double the time of possession that we had. Arkansas had the ball for over 40 minutes, and we only had it for 20 minutes, which just speaks volumes as to the just the lethality of the offense where you give any player on our team pretty much the ball, and there is a pretty good chance they're going to take it to the house. And well, that's what even, they did. And even like Racy McMath, like we saw a lot of good stuff out of him. And he's not a guy that gets the ball that often. Mm-hmm. A couple of big catches there. And then... Yeah, just like you said, we scored, what, seven touchdowns in a row once we kind of figured out what we needed to do. And then for, like you mentioned at the beginning, last year we actually kind of tussled with Arkansas a little bit. They weren't much better last year, but it was 7-7 at halftime. And this one looks to be kind of going the same way, but then they're like, oh, wait, we're the number one team in the country. Time to get the show on the road here. And uh, just kept scoring uh, perfect. That that really, first bomb to Jamar Chase at the top kind of blew it up, the top off and allowed us to kind of, get where we needed to be, and then it was all downhill from there. Now, the only question that I have, and I, I'm glad you mentioned the the, uh, the lethality, as you put it. I don't know. Is that a word? I don't know. Um, I think so. We'll let it, it, we'll is, let it wow. slide. Um, you know, the only question that I have is, like, do you think that potentially, like, our lack of time time of possession, is is that a is that a weakness? I was gonna say I wouldn't say it's a weakness because if you keep scoring, then I mean, what? Can, how can they pass you up? Right. Well, that, that's what I was gonna say. Is I, I thought it would be a weakness, but um, as long as like uh, you know against Alabama, I was thinking at some point you know they should just run off the clock. But no, uh, they're not gonna do that. They're just gonna keep their foot on the gas. And as Daniel said, as long as they keep scoring, that's better than running off the clock because it kind of takes care of both. Because now they you know they have to score again, and it's gonna cause more time so. yeah I just I always you know it it always when you look at when you look at how many you know like Daniel said the double double time time of possession I guess I guess y'all I mean you're right like especially mathematically like you know if you have more points than the other team you win that's kind of how it works but um I guess I do I do appreciate you know, some sometimes that ball control and you know being able to manipulate the clock but you're right. If you're up by three touchdowns, who cares? Right. Or if, uh, you know, like you said, if, if there's five minutes left and they just scored and they kick it back to you, you want to run out the clock and you think, well, with this offense, we can surely run off five minutes. But, um, 
you know, what if, if they have to punt because they tried to run out the clock and, it, you know, they're going to punt it back and give the ball back? No. This is LSU. No one stopped this, so we're just going to go down and score. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you know that, that was... They time doing it, but they're going to score. That's, I think that's their choice. <laughs> and that was the decision made against Texas, you know, with yeah. the third and 17. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, you could have handed it to Clyde. He maybe runs for seven, you know, five, six, seven yards, and then it's fourth and ten. You have a nice punt. You put him, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, pin him back and then let you know, try to try to not play to not lose the game. But, you know, this year we've been, we're playing to win, and, and it is good. It's great to see. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, do, you want, do you want to touch on the defense a little bit, what we saw? Yeah. I do, but really quickly, I just wanted to throw out there that that was the seventh straight 1,000-yard rushing season by an LSU Tiger. So that's quite a good streak going there. Obviously, this one was uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so congratulations to him and to the Tigers. Uh, even without a ground-and-pound offense, you know, they're still getting plenty of rushing yards. Uh, you know, not, It's not just Clyde. It was uh, John Emery, too, and uh, you know Joe Burrow also part of that. But anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, Let's get to this defense because I know, you know, Dale expressed some, well, we both expressed some frustration earlier or had our doubts, you know, seemed like the Tigers were letting things get away from them a little bit against teams they shouldn't have. Uh, but, you know, Arkansas, you know, for, for what it's worth, they only got two field goals out of the, you know, the two good drives that they had. So, uh, you know, LSU defense shows what they are. They might give up some yardage in the big field, but... They're really good at clamping down in the red zone. Um, and those those two two touchdowns late, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think I have an idea of, of why that happened, but I'll I'll throw it to you guys. Uh, how about you, Daniel? What uh, you know? What were your impressions of the defense? Improved? Yeah. So I said it kind of at the top. The defense, in my opinion, was much better. We did get uh, hit for a couple of big plays, especially in the secondary. Um, nothing too insane. Because considering Arkansas's quarterbacks, they they ran three of them total, only three for 190 yards, which is pretty great. But there was a couple big ones. There was one big, couple big pass interference calls that we got called for. Uh, so you'd like to see him clean that up. But just the the linebacking and D line core was excellent. Their run game was pretty much non-existent. We were swarming every single play with Rashard Lawrence and then uh, Jacob Phillips and uh, Patrick Queen closing the gaps. Jacob Phillips is actually the, the SEC leader in tackles right now. He had 12 last night and uh, two and a half tackles for loss. So even without Michael Divinity in the game, those guys are stepping up big time, which is really great. And then, Tommy, you talked about Jacoby Stevens, three big sacks, just kind of leading the secondary in the absence of Grant Delpit. And then everybody else kind of just filling in the gaps where they needed to. And also, I, I liked the the pressure that we put on the quarterback. You could see he was definitely, or their quarterbacks, plural. You could see they were uncomfortable, and that's just the the Tiger Stadium atmosphere combined with the, the excellence of our players. So it gives you a lot of promise going into the, the better teams that we're going to face down the stretch. Yeah, Tommy. No, I totally agree. Um, I really liked. I mean, I think Jacoby Stevens was the was the standout player, and he's been a he's been a great uh, defensive player you know, all year. Um, you know, Derek Stingley looked good again. He had one, um, he gave up one, one big, one big play, um, a good play by the, by the wide receiver. And then, um, you know, Christian Fulton looked good too. He had, he did have the, uh, uh, that pass interference that Daniel mentioned. Um, I like seeing, like seeing the play out of Rashard Lawrence, you know, I'm a bit of a homer. So I like seeing my guy from Monroe do well, but um, you know he's been a great leader so far that you know throughout this entire season. So I've really liked seeing him succeed. I think it, I think it was an improvement from on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think all, you know almost any performance will be an improvement from uh, from what we had against Ole Miss. But um, like you said, Scott, LSU's defense is uh, I don't think we're built to to uh, or I don't think we I don't know if we'll ever shut out just shut out you know, really, really good teams and just, you know, lock them down and they never score on us. You know, we're not a Georgia. I don't think we're like Georgia. And, and I think that that, you know, you can say that's because of our defense or because of Dave Aranda or because of offense. But regardless, that's just not how we're going to win games. And so I think, but, but we're, you know, we're 10 or we're 11 and 0. So yeah. what can you say? Yeah, well, what can you say? And, you know, they... 
they they took Arkansas's best game, kind of like they took Ole Miss's best game. You know, but Ole Miss led the SEC in rushing, so that's why that happens. And I remember back when we saw Arkansas, excuse me, when we saw Ole Miss and Alabama play. Uh, you know, Alabama got the big win, of course, but we all thought, oh wow, did you see what Ole Miss did to Alabama? Wow, so yeah. we can run on them. Uh, but in actuality, you know, it's just it's all Miss being able to run on everybody, apparently. But um, I think what Arkansas saw when Ole Miss ran on us is, oh, look at that, you can run on LSU. So they brought out their running quarterback, but, you know, LSU was ready. They they didn't give it up like they did against Ole Miss. I mean, uh, what's his name from Arkansas? Jefferson, he's he's not John Rice Plumley, but, you know, they also didn't have Rich Rodriguez calling plays either. Uh, but I think Dave Rand and LSU were ready. Now, what I thought was interesting was that they left most of their starters in till almost the very end of the game. Even the uh, you know the broadcasters kind of picked up on that. And I think what they were trying to do is just I, th- I think the coaching staff just wanted to see if they could get a full game out of their team because you're going to need that you know in these next few games, most likely the SEC championship and then in the playoffs because what's happened is LSU is you know been comfortably ahead most of the year and you know the games where it mattered against Texas and Alabama yeah we got some stops to win the game but you know um, it's going to be different in the playoffs against you know in Ohio State or Clemson and especially since pretty much after this next Saturday every game or I should say any game that LSU is going to play it's going to be in a dome and I Mm. think that game's just going to be quicker so uh, they didn't put like their younger guys in till the very end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that was kind of a good test if that's what they were doing, just to see, you know, what what they could get out of the defense and just see how long they could uh, they could hold. And I think that's why Arkansas got those late touchdowns because you can admit they look kind of sloppy. You know, they looked even sloppy on the field, the the uh, the kickoff where the ball bounced. You know, it just they didn't look uh, didn't look sharp enough to recover it. So that's that's what my thoughts are with uh, with what was going on. Well, and, and, you know, it's also, it's great conditioning, too. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. Not to say that, you know, I don't think, I'm not saying that our, that our players aren't well conditioned. You know, they're, it's a D1 yeah. SEC school. But there's no, you know, there's no conditioning like game, like playing a full game. And so as we get into the home stretch where pretty much every team we're going to, well, with the exception of next week, every team that we're going to play is going to be elite caliber talent. Um, you know, as much conditioning as you can get in and as much real-life game experience, you know, because practice is not like a real game. So as much as we can get in, you know, prior to those, uh, prior to those games that really count, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah, one thing you had mentioned that we didn't really put in the whole fleet of backups is until the fourth quarter. And I had mentioned it to Tommy, I was kind of expecting us to pull Joe Burrow a little bit earlier in the game than we did. I think it's just me being nervous after we saw last week what had happened to to attack of Iloa at Alabama. So every time he was kind of dropping back to pass, I was just clenching my teeth a little bit, just hoping that we avoid the worst. I know it's not very likely, but I'm not sure if I I agree with that a whole ton by Ed Orgeron and uh, the offensive passing games. Like, all right, just get Miles Brennan in there. It's not like we're going to choke away a 40-point lead versus Arkansas. So, mix them in, but everything held up fine, so they, they proved me wrong, but uh, I guess they just really want to get us fine-tuned for the best games down the stretch. Yeah, uh, like, I think it's it also has something to do with, you know, what Tommy said, it's kind of conditioning, you know, it's conditioning with the offense, too, uh, you know, they don't want them to not get those reps, and uh, it is a, you know, it is a, a fine line of playing, you know, a guy too much, Uh I mean, Brennan did get in. He, he, I think he got some good reps in, uh, and he looked pretty good. Um, but, yeah, you just definitely don't want to put <laughs> your your quarterback in ultimately your team in that position to where you're just you're trying to squeeze out one more record or you're trying to get him some sort of Heisman moment. I, mean, I, I don't know what you'd need him in for at that point because you're not going to relinquish the lead. Uh, you just Maybe they just didn't want Arkansas to make it any closer than it was so that, you know, the talking heads don't start disparaging LSU like they have been. Uh, that's my only thought on it. But um, uh, well, you know what I kept saying to Daniel during the game was, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if we're sitting there on the sidelines thinking we might we need style points because yeah, exactly. we've got Ohio State over here and they're the darlings of the media right now. And uh, I, I was here. Gosh, I forget where. Uh, oh, I guess I think it was Matt Muscana's show. Um, they were talking about the. Uh, 
how this is going to be the first year and just, you know, for all of our listeners, think about it this way and watch as we keep going because by the time this podcast comes out, um, you know, it'll probably be Monday, Tuesday, and we'll be getting, getting ready for the new uh, college football playoff rankings. This year will be the first year that, uh, that the one seed will actually have, like, a real um, advantage because, I mean, when you look at the landscape right now, that four, whoever that four seed is is not going to be a very good team. And the, the four seed will, will definitely be a step down from the one, two, and three seed. And two and three, whoever they, be, whoever they, will, whoever they end up being, it's going to be a bloodbath. Because, I mean, let's just look at it right now. Right now, if the playoff was played tomorrow, the LSU won, and then Ohio State versus Clemson in, a, in what would be a bloodbath, I would think. And then, you know, who would LSU be playing? Maybe Utah. I mean, that's all. Or maybe Georgia, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Utah, Oklahoma, those are my two guesses. Uh, or, or, you know, long shot, in the case they lose in their uh, rest of their games. Uh, you know, there's Alabama still sitting there. Yeah. You know? uh, it's not with Tua, it's with Mac Jones, but still, it's Alabama, and it's, you know, giving Nick Saban three weeks to prepare for a game. So... Uh, there's that. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, I think I, – well, I wanted to mention this because one record we didn't get to mention yet was uh, they broke the yards for a season for an LSU team. Once again, it was held by the 2017, but uh, currently LSU sits at 6,172 yards uh, for their offense. Again, with, you know, three or four more games to go. So that's, that's amazing. Uh, not, probably not going to be broken – in, in our lifetime, uh, unless Joe Burrow has a son that goes to LSU. But um, so since this game, you know, we still have the game against Texas A&M. Uh, we can t- touch on that. But I, really quickly, I think we should. Uh, oh wait, you know what? We didn't really cover special teams, but there really wasn't really much there. Um, the only thing of note was the onside kick that missed. Onside kick. Yeah. That Arkansas yeah. kicked at the end, and we kind of we goofed it, and they recovered. Uh, they kind of caught us flat-footed a little bit there. weren't really expecting it, even though they were down. So it's like, eh, it is what it is. And then they, they kind of brought out the hands team for the next uh, kickoff, and they kind of yeah. tried it again a little bit, but we, we got right. it that time. So we fixed up the mistakes, but we just got to make sure we don't have any mental lapses like that. Right. So, you know, LSU is looking forward to the SEC championship, but I know they're already talking about A&M because that's what stands out in their mind. I think that's this is – you know, one of those games they had circled this year just because of the seven-overtime game last year. So, uh, again, you know, A&M's a little beleaguered. They, they lost to Georgia this week. Um, I don't know who – I don't know how to judge that game because, you know, Georgia obviously looks good on defense, but their offense is – I don't know. It's, uh, it doesn't seem as – there's not much le- – what did you say, Daniel? Lethality? Lethality, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's not much lethality in Georgia's offense, um, so I, I don't know how to judge A&M. But um, I mean, they're seven and four. They, you know, they. I think their players, kind of like you know Arkansas and Ole Miss, were up for these last two games against LSU just because you know it's like what you know we have nothing to lose, so let's just throw everything at them. I think the Aggies are going to pretty much do the same. Um, you know, what, what do you guys think? I, I think this is a. I think this is a. A pretty a very big game um you know outside of the, it doesn't matter as far as uh, uh you know clinching like we've clinched we're going to the sec championship it doesn't really matter in that you know in the way that the bama game mattered or the other games mattered but um you know texas game whatever uh florida but i think this game matters a lot of for for a lot of like storyline purposes and a lot of uh and a lot of hate and a lot of just you know a bad blood after the game last year and then it's you know of course Jimbo was the was the choice, right? You know, uh, yeah. Coach O, Coach O was being looked over, and he was he was you know the second and third choice, and Jimbo was the the seventy five million dollar man who everybody and their brother wanted to bring to LSU, and and now and you know the rest of the story is that he is he ends up at A and M, and um, for what what was the what was the record? I think it was five, six, seven years that LSU had never lost to A&M. We were the only team in the SEC that hadn't lost to A&M. Yeah, it was seven straight. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously they, they uh, broke that record last year in uh, question, by questionable means. 
And then they go and try to fight the team afterwards, and then Kevin Falk gets in a fight with Jimbo's nephew. It was a crazy, just a crazy, you know, uh, I don't know. Who in your right mind would want to fight Kevin Falk? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, go- that's not the guy I'd pick out <laughs> from right. uh, on the sideline, but nevertheless, he did. Um, I mean, it was just, just a terrible, a terrible game for, for LSU. And I mean, we won that game about three or four different times, and they wouldn't give it to us. So, I, and I loved what, what Coach O and Joe Burrow have been saying, you know, they're they're already getting ready and they're already telling telling all the the Tiger faithful to get ready. I, I, Coach O said something to the effect of, uh, uh, "If you have a ticket uh, for the game next week, be sure to use it." Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will be using it. We're going to be there. Every I, if, if you're if you've got tickets, like you said, you know, I know it's uh you know day it's day or two days after Thanksgiving, so it's a little bit of an awkward time if you're out of town and everything. But you got You got to get to this game because. I almost feel like I think LSU might put up 80. You know, I think this is going to be a game, a statement game. LSU is going to close off the regular season by saying, um, you know, this this team is 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 here to play. We are dominant, and you know, that game last year was a fluke, and we're here to to show out. Right. There's kind of no way that things match the spectacle in terms of of on-field stuff from last year, uh, but. It's definitely going to be a great game, and it all started out when A&M joined the SEC. There, there wasn't really much interest, I guess you could say. Obviously, they, they're a school with a lot of history and prestige, but they didn't really have the kind of the rivalries between schools and the SEC already, and so it was a little bit of a manufactured rivalry in a sense. And then they, they kind of started to put the A&M games like the last week of the season, replacing the Arkansas game. And then things yeah. kind of just kept escalating a little bit and a little bit, especially as they realized, like, oh, no, we literally can't beat LSU. They're the only team that, like, is shutting us down. And then it kind of culminated last year with that insane 74-72 game with all the, the off-field theatrics afterwards and, and whatnot. And so this, this year we're kind of we're back for blood, and we're, we don't like A&M very much at this point. That's pretty obvious to say. And I know all the players are going to be fired up, the ones from last year, and the, the incoming freshmen watch that game on TV, or they're probably at the game, and just want to be a part of that. So I'm expecting LSU to come out with the fireworks. And they may not score 74 again, but they, they might get close. So it should, should be a great game. Texas A&M, they got a really good quarterback. Well, I'm not really good, but a good quarterback in Kellen Mond, who's going to be the best passer that we faced the past couple weeks, and a, a good receiving core. Kendrick Rogers, especially, he was the guy that caught a few of the touchdowns in the overtimes last year as some of the fans may remember, so definitely a good test. Dave, I've got to correct you on one thing. Um, Texas A&M is not a, it's not a, it's not a school, it's a cult. So, um, <laughs> you know, and, and yes, it, the, the rivalry was manufactured, but I feel like a lot of the bad blood just comes from, it's kind of like when, uh, when you go and you try to break up one of those cults and, you know, the people are so invested they don't want to leave. So it's just kind of brainwashing at that point. Yeah, I've worked with some people who graduated from Texas A&M, and they just know all these, like, I mean, LSU has a lot of traditions and stuff, which I'm sure some seems weird to outsiders, but Texas A&M just has this crazy stuff. Like, they're so deeply obsessed with their school and all the little, like, nooks and crannies of their things that, like, you have to do if you're a Texas A&M alum or a student with their, their like, nighttime yells before on the, thir- the Friday before the game when they all go out there and just like do chants and stuff. It's kind of strange. If you haven't seen this, you can watch on YouTube. But, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll put the cadets where they need to be next week. Well, and the fact that the cadets aren't even in ROTC, it's a paramilitary organization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, you're right, though, that it uh, – well, I think um, Coach O, or I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire also said this best, too. He says, we haven't forgotten – and I don't think LSU fans have forgotten either. So I think that's what they're all trying to uh, point to is, you know, the fans need to be there because that's going to, what's going to help LSU just completely dominate them. A&M's, you know, they're a pretty good team. They have a lot of, uh, you know, they've, uh, we've got a lot of common opponents. You know, they beat Arkansas. They beat Ole Miss. They beat Mississippi State with 49 points. Uh, they beat South Carolina. They, you know, they only lost to Georgia by six points. So they they have enough talent to make it interesting. You know, uh, like at the end of the game, you know, like we uh, a couple times we've said, you know, if this was an old LSU team, uh, the you know the offense scored, but the defense 
letting go. Like, uh, you know, they wouldn't have won because LSU's old offense wouldn't have been able to, you know, kind of stave off a rally. Uh, but and I'm not saying that's going to happen with A&M. But, you know, there's somebody where if the LSU does take them lightly, it could happen. But I, I don't think it's going to happen because the, the players are too fired up. This is still fresh in their minds. Um, yeah. And But, you know, A&M is, to their credit, they are probably one of the most richest in tradition, they are steeped in tradition. In addition to what you said with the 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 uh, you know the Friday night yells, you know they got the whole 12th man. They that's their claim to fame. They have a huge stadium, uh, you know, pretty much rich history. That's where Bear Bryant got his start. And there's one tradition actually that they used to have, uh, but it was uh, it was kind of canceled. They used to have a huge bonfire. Yeah, I don't know if it was on the Friday night where they did the DLs or if it was like on a Thursday night, but they would have this huge bonfire. And, you know, this thing is kind of like Burning Man, but on a college campus. Uh, and they cut that out one year once when that this huge bonfire fell and some, some people died, unfortunately. So they kind of just uh, threw it off of the traditions list. But, yeah, they're, they're steeped in tradition, but um, that doesn't matter. They're coming to Baton Rouge this year, and I think the Tigers are going to be ready. Yeah, I think I think this game is, you know, I I I would worry about um and I think we did see, you know, a little bit of a letdown maybe against uh against Ole Miss and you know, maybe a little bit of a letdown in the uh in the Auburn game. But as far as the offense goes and as far as, you know, kind of playing down, but um I think that we I think that we will be completely ready to uh for this game. I don't I don't anticipate any kind of trap game or I don't think I don't think this will be close at all, and I'm pretty confident about that. Uh, I just I just don't see. I mean, and the, the other thing is, you know, I've watched we watched uh, some A and M games this year, and they're just not they're not that impressive. You know, they've got some good pieces. Kellen Mond's fine. Um, you know, their running back uh, Isaiah Spiller he's pretty good, but I just I'm not I'm not I haven't been impressed with them ever since Jimbo Fisher got there, and I'm not impressed with them this year. I think that that, that the Georgia A and M game uh, <clears throat> yesterday was just unimpressive by both teams. I feel it like Georgia's, Georgia's is is on the down. They're you know they're on a downward trend right now. Yeah, it's because of their offense. They they cannot find a way to get their offense going. And I think uh, it was a good indication watching them play in them. Uh, I think A and M's a very good tune up for Georgia because you know they have an offense they can make plays, but they're not going to beat you with their offense. You know they're going to have to. You're going to have to struggle with their defense, and their offense is going to make some plays. Maybe they'll get a punt return or something. But it's not going to be like Alabama or Texas where it's just you know trading scores back and forth. I don't think it's going to be that type of game for either one of these teams, but especially not A&M. All right, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully we just come out of there 12-0, and perfect season, first since 2011, and then roll on to the big boys after that. Joe, want yeah. to talk about kind of what else happened in college football this week? There wasn't anything really too insane. No, but I think we uh, well we can pretty much eliminate Oregon from the race because they lost to Arizona State. I was able to watch some of that. Um, yeah, Oregon, you know they, they look good; they could score, but uh, you know you got to be able to stop the other guys from scoring, which they did not do. Uh, and Oklahoma kind of barely beat TCU. Uh, I think the big game of the day was. Penn State at Ohio State, and it looked like at first, you know, Ohio State was going to run away with it, but then for all of a sudden, in five minutes, uh, you know, in the third quarter, Penn State kind of charged back, and then then that kind of stopped, and then, you know, Ohio State scored one more touchdown, and that was it. I wasn't, I don't know, I'm not impressed, kind of like you said about Georgia and uh, A&M, I wasn't impressed with either one of those teams. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, I think that was it, that was it. Now, the media... And ESPN and Paul Feinbaum and everybody—they're going to tell you that Ohio State, you know, looked the part and they're the number one team in the country and yada yada yada. I do not think that they were playing, you know, great football yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, Penn State's a good team; they're not a great team. I don't think they're—I think they were ranked number eight in the country yesterday, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they're number eight in the country. Um, you know, I, they're definitely a top twenty-five team, um, but I don't know if they're, you know, that high. And. I think that Ohio State, you know, they were uh, uh, Penn State had a chance to win that game at the end. They had the ball, um, you know, with I think two or three minutes to go. Was that right, Daniel? You were there. We were we were watching the game from that restaurant. Um, yeah, Penn State, like they kind of needed they needed two scores and they were driving and they just kind of sputtered out a little bit. But it was definitely a close game. Yeah. So, you know, I just I, I don't know. I thought that. Um, 
it seemed like a huge. This is okay. This is this is the key takeaway for me, is that you see the you see the flashy wins by Ohio State, the seventy nine point win against Maryland or whatever, right? But the drop off. Think about the drop off from that going from that kind of win to you throw them in some decent competition and you only win and you narrowly win. You know, I, and I don't and I don't think anybody here could could stay could stand and honestly say that. Uh, that Penn State is is a you know if 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 Ohio State is the number one team in the, in the country is Penn State number three because they played them like they were the number three team in the country right so I think the drop off um, of of Ohio State's you know uh, performance when they're playing better teams even just a little bit better than what they're normally playing uh, that was uh, pretty pretty interesting to watch. Right. Yeah. I think one of the sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Scott, but I think one of the important points to gain from this is that Ohio State, like they're not invincible. They've pretty much been thrashing people up and down since the start of the season. But Penn State showed that you can play them close and Justin Fields isn't the perfect man. I think he had like three fumbles or something. It was kinda of weird to watch. The ball just kept falling out of his hands. But you see that they if you if you are a team that's better than Penn State, which we are, then you can beat Ohio State. So that's important. And then another strange thing, uh, Oregon's like kind of inexplicable loss to Arizona State is that the Pac-12's hopes now rest on Utah, who have been playing pretty good but not amazing. And then Oklahoma is kind of the lone remaining contender from the Big 12. And then obviously Clemson's the only team from the ACC. It's kind of strange to me that three of the five Power 5 conferences only really have one team, maybe two in the case of Baylor from the Big 12, they can even hold up as like kind of challengers to the championship. So I don't even know if we're down to like a power two at this point between the SEC and the Big Ten, but that is what it is. Yeah. Um, well, all I was going to say was just what you guys were saying about Ohio State, and uh, you know the the storyline was Ohio State's dominant on both sides of the ball, and they're I the only complete against, team. Right. Um, but then against Penn State. They didn't look dominant at all. I know they the score looked dominant, like they were up twenty-one to nothing, but uh, but it was fourteen to nothing going into half. And at that point, I think uh, J.K. Dobbins he had like twenty carries for a hundred and something yards, like right before half. Um, and I don't know that to me that just stuck. I was like, wow, that, they're leaving a guy a lot, and uh-huh. it's not of a full game stats. Like he finished with thirty-six carries, but twenty. Up before half, and they're only up fourteen nothing. It's, it's like they, I don't know. That, that didn't seem as dominant to me. And Penn State came back. They had that great, uh, that great third quarter, but then that was it. Um, so I, I don't know. The, I know the defense did well to hold Penn State. I guess Chase Young had three sacks, but Ohio State's offense did not look dominant. Like you said, Jay, uh, Justin Fields had three fumbles. Uh, Dobbins had one himself. So. I don't. I don't think that uh, you know, Ohio State's gonna be able to grind something out against, say, Clemson or LSU. So that that's what stood out to me in that game. And that's the other question is like I don't know. Um, I can't. I can't get a read on Clemson. You know, some people say Clemson is as good or or you know as good. Um, some people say even if not better than they were last year. I don't know if I. I don't know if I buy that. Um, but I think that. Uh, you know, I think that Clemson probably is the better team between Ohio State and Clemson, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Like if they played tomorrow, like if they played next week, you would think Ohio State is because you know for the same argument we've been using for Ohio State. Well, Clemson hasn't been tested. They, you know, they haven't been. You know, uh, but I think it could be that, um, kind of like a few years ago. Uh, remember, Ohio State looked like the better team, and then Clemson just smoked them. And you know, a few years before that, Michigan State looked pretty decent. They made the playoff, but then Alabama beat them 31 to nothing. Uh-huh. So I, I think that's that's where Clemson is in my mind. Uh, until unless I see something amazing, you know, in the ACC championship game, which isn't really going to be that much of a test. Uh, I just I just do not see them as better than last year. I don't. Yeah. I just it, it's so hard to and it, and I, I wish that there was a better way because. There's no way for us to. Re- I don't. At least in my mind, I don't think there's a way for us to really gauge how good these teams are because we're not even. You know, they're they're not even playing. We don't like all the teams 
have no um, common out of conference, you know, uh, contenders you know, games. Yeah. It, so yeah. we can't say, oh, well, Clemson played Georgia like this, and Ohio State played Georgia like this. So you know, we can kind of say, oh, well, this one's probably better than this one. There's no common denominators, um, and that's. I, I mean, I think that's clearly, you know, that's clearly by design because of how um, how the college football playoff like selection system is. Yeah, although I will say this, the one exception, uh, our opponent next week, Texas A&M, uh, they played at Clemson uh, in the second game. Oh, that's it, true. Yeah, it was, uh, it was what, I think it was 24-10, to 10, Clemson won. So you have to put that in. Uh, they played it on the road. Second game of the season, um, you know, for whatever that's worth, we were at Texas, and at that point we thought, wow, uh, LSU looks really good. Texas looks pretty good, too, but now they don't. So is the fact that Clemson could only beat A&M at home by 14 points, not, you know, uh, 42 to 28. We're talking 24 to 10. Yeah. So, but, you know, again, it was still early, but still. And that, still, Yeah, I feel like that was a different Clemson team. You know, the first first four or five games, Trevor Lawrence had some trouble. He threw a lot of picks, and it, they, they just, you know, they looked like they were kind of on the downturn, but – Seems like they've kind of picked it up um, since that scare with North Carolina. I don't know though. You're right. I think that uh, you know when we let's let's watch see how we play uh, play um, Texas A&M, and then maybe you know that for something for LSU fans to do, you know, if you're um, if you got you get kind of bored, maybe take. And I, I think I'm going to do this. That's a good point, Scott. I think I'm going to go take take a look at that Clemson A&M game. And kind of rewatch that, and then compare that to uh, to what we see with LSU this weekend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. One other note I wanted to say is that a team on the rise lately is kind of sad as it is to say is Michigan. They've been winning and winning big recently. So Ohio State is kind of shaping up to be the biggest, the big game in a little bit here because Michigan they've already got two losses. They're kind of out of the the playoff contention, but they could definitely spoil Ohio State, and they'll be the the best team that they've played so far. So. If you're an LSU fan, I would take a look at that game too, because uh, that could be a potential matchup for who we got to play going on later, or it could knock a, a Titan off the top. So, and it's kind of weird the college game they didn't go to that game; they went to Wisconsin, Minnesota instead. But so oh, next week they are. They already yeah, they said they're going to Minnesota, Wisconsin. Oh. They're going to Minneapolis for the first time yeah. ever. Because that'll decide the 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 Big Ten uh, West, I guess. Because um, if if Minnesota beats Wisconsin, then that's who Ohio State will play. Uh, but I I don't know. I it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, you you would think that Michigan is every other team's last hope for someone to beat Ohio State. But I don't know. I kind of kind of like I I think Tommy might agree with me here. I just feel like Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are just the uh, you know Charlie Brown about to kick the football and mm-hmm. Lucy pulls it away and then he does the somersault backwards. <laughs> I don't, I don't know think if I he's ever beat Ohio open. State, right? I think that's uh, in his in his tenure. Uh, no. Yeah, I I mean I think that I think that Jim Harbaugh is not a not good. <laughs> I don't I don't yeah. think Michigan's very good. But you know what though, I w- I would I would not be surprised. Like I uh or I don't know I, I shouldn't say I would not be surprised because I would be like oh okay, but um. It kind of fits. It feel you know, just to me, it feels like it, it could happen because. Yes. Um, Similarly, kind of how LSU finally beat Alabama and got that monkey off its back, you know. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't say you know I, even even with a win against Michigan, I mean against Ohio State, Michigan is not a good team, but um, Ohio, I think Ohio State is beatable, and uh, it just if we haven't have what's the what's the big you know, landmark upset that we've had so far. We really haven't had one yet. I mean, I, I don't count the Oregon loss as a, as a real big upset. It's got to be Georgia versus South Carolina, in my opinion. Yeah. I would say that or uh, God, who, who beat Oklahoma? Um, Kansas State. Kansas State, although Kansas yeah, State, like, that, they're okay. I mean. Yeah, but still. it's. Uh, but we like always – I feel like we're, we got to – there isn't there – there's always that one that comes right right towards the end of the season. It shakes up the playoff. And I feel like this might be the opportunity. Same way that Purdue, you know, Purdue last year um, beating Ohio State at the end, towards the end of the season. 
Uh, yeah, I would say Auburn beating Alabama would also have... Auburn, Alabama could be one, yeah. Yeah. Because if Auburn beats Alabama, that opens up for everybody. Uh, that yeah, still only be, has one loss anyway. That uh, yeah, that'll be crazy if that happens. Um, yeah, it's it's possible. You know, I, I watched some of the Alabama game as much as I could. Uh, you know, they look fine, but it's it's the same. It, it's pretty much the same observation I had. It's you know, I don't I don't know if that Mac Jones himself is going to be the guy that's going to beat one of these upper echelon teams. It's it's more so the position players that Alabama has that that made it look good. Um, you know, it's it was it wasn't it was Western Carolina, so hard to tell. But uh, they got to go to Auburn, so I I think that'll be that'll show us more. You know, if, if Alabama looks dominant against Auburn on the you know because I believe it's on the road, um, I, I think that's the the little uh, crack that the, the committee is going to use to you know say ah oh, look see uh, they lost two and it didn't change a thing. Uh, yeah, right, so, right yeah. back then. Uh, Alabama's right back in the playoff picture, and this and keep in mind this game is at Auburn. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, I mean, we can talk about because uh, LSU's next game after A and M will be in the SEC championship. I know we have time to talk about this next week because then we will, uh, you know, we'll have seen the the A and M game, and Georgia has one more game as well. But uh, I, I will say this: it seems like every time LSU gets into a conference championship game, it's against Georgia. Yeah. Um, in 2003, they played Tennessee, but ever since then, it's been Georgia. And every time, it's, you know, it's, uh, I think Georgia won once and we've won twice, all in Atlanta. And, um, yeah, that's just, I don't know what that is. Maybe that's my own personal uh, dichotomy that I have to deal with uh, since I graduated from Georgia, but I was born in Baton Rouge. But, anyway... Um, just it's interesting how it always works out that way, and this will be the third time since 2003 that uh, you know LSU will have faced Georgia in the SEC title game, and then the national championship game is in New Orleans. So just very interesting kind of shaping up that way. Yeah, it's crazy, and then you know of course there's still this thing that you know uh, Ohio State's going to play LSU, and then Joe Burrow's going to face his former team. Or uh, you know, just all, something like that, and I saw something where Ohio State football tweeted out, you know, who who do you think should, which Ohio State Buckeye do you think deserves to win the Heisman? And they were still claiming Joe Burrow, which was really, uh, he's ours but, now. Yeah, I know. It's like really, but they also included Justin Fields, who started at Georgia. So the <laughs> their their double standard is hilarious. I, anyway, I, that that um, reminds me of uh, of last year at game day um, against it was game day for Bama. Still, I think this is still my favorite sign, my favorite Joe Burrow sign. Well, aside from ours, the the Joker one. Um, it was a picture of a of a pack of cigarettes um, with an Ohio State logo on the cigarettes, and the caption was "Hey Ohio State." Or no, it was a, it was the the I. Uh, the, the picture was like a jersey with number nine, and I think it had like a Ohio State logo with number nine. It said, "Hey Ohio State, can we bum a Joe?" <laughs> That's funny. That was pretty good. So yeah. hey, if you're a listener out there and you um, and that was your sign, shout out to you. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, what what do you uh, you know just kind of briefly what uh, you know what do you imagine this this SEC championships. Uh, I don't think LSU is going to look past it playing against A and M just because of what happened last year. But um, they they got to be excited getting to play for an SEC title, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that could go similar a little bit to the Auburn game, considering Georgia's defensive strength and a little bit uh, offensive struggles. And so hopefully we score a little bit more than we did against Auburn. But as long as it kind of came down to a few key plays in the Auburn game that fumble on the punt return, and hopefully we can avoid that against Georgia. But we definitely have the talent to beat them across the board. And Georgia hasn't really faced an offense like ours, though. So we could thrash them for a lot more than they're expecting, I guess. But it'll be a big atmosphere in Atlanta, and I think we'll live up to the hype. Yeah, I actually – I'm not um... – I just think, like I said earlier, I think Georgia's been on a downward trend, and I mean their offense is anemic. It's really, 
they can't do anything offensively. And DeAndre Swift's great. I think Justin, I mean, uh, Jake Fromm is, is really great. It's, they, just, they just can't put anything together. And, you know, and I think their defense is real good. Um, I think, we, you know, that'll probably be the, the best defensive uh, test we, you know, we've played. Or I, I, a lot of analysts say that Auburn's actually the, the best defensive team in the country. Um, so, you know, it's probably a toss-up between Georgia, Auburn, and maybe Alabama. Um, but I do think – I think we'll be able to score on them better than Alabama – I mean, better than Auburn. Like, Daniel, like you said, we had some unfortunate plays against, uh, against Auburn. And – you know, we definitely played our worst game of the season against Auburn, and I don't think we're going to play our worst game of the season, you know, against Georgia. So I think we'll be okay. Um, you know, it might not be the the absolute fireworks we're used to, but I think we'll still be able to put up points on them. And I think we'll, um, you know, if everything holds true, I think we'll be able to win reasonably comfortably. Yeah, and just touching on, you know, when Georgia played Auburn, you guys remember this. Georgia, they scored one touchdown in each of the first three quarters. They didn't score in the fourth. Uh, you know, and Auburn scored 14 in the fourth, which made it look close. But, yeah, Georgia's offense, uh, you know, they are, uh, they're just not a threat. I mean, Jake Fromm barely threw over 100 yards in that game. He had three TDs, but, you know, it's maybe they were dealing with just, you know, short fields or a, or a turnover or something like that. Um, I think Georgia benefits more with, you know, what their what DeAndre Swift can do if he if he can open it up. But you know, LSU's been pretty good against the run, so I, I just don't know if Jake Fromm and their passing game is is going to be able to keep up. I'm not say they can't score, but just to be able to keep up with LSU, I don't think so. Georgia Georgia's their their offense just has not shown they can do that. I mean, they uh, <laughs> they they haven't scored more than. 24 points in their last five five games. So, uh, like you said, downward trend. Uh, it's it's kind of sad because you know it's it's. Uh, I, I kind of have a vested interest in the dogs, but yeah, they 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 don't seem like they'd be a threat to uh, to keep up with LSU offensively. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah. Um, all right. Having said that, again, we can get into that next week after we talk about uh, uh, the, the LSU A&M game. But um, any other thoughts along the uh, the college football world or or otherwise? Pickup pretty much covers it for this week. Another good one. I, mean, I know I say that every week, but uh, it is <laughs> right. Good, good take, Daniel. Well said. <laughs> Gold star, buddy. Gold star. Um, so you guys are going to be at the game next week, I imagine. We will. Uh, are... Me, Daniel, and then uh, his two brothers who, who go to school out of town. Uh, one of them is a, a Purdue guy, and the other is in med school in Northwood, Washington, D.C. They're all coming down for Thanksgiving and everything, and so we're going to come. Uh, you know, Everybody's going to enjoy Thanksgiving, and then we're going to ride down for the game. So it should be a fun family affair. Right on. I was speaking of... Last time I was in, uh, I think, Louisiana for Thanksgiving, uh, all, all my family that had gotten together, including some, uh, some family that was out of state, and we went to the LSU-Arkansas game that year. I think that was the year, the first year that Anthony Jennings, like he took over late in the game and, and drove them to come back and win on like a last-minute touchdown, which was amazing to be there and just to hear uh, you know, the atmosphere in Tiger Stadium that you all, that just to hear it happen, uh, you know, which is what they always talk about. But one of the things that stuck out in my mind, of course, was the tailgating. But it was the fact that this one group, you know, they had uh, barbecued a whole pig, of course. But at some point, you know, they had taken the head and they would stuck this hog head on a stick. So it was just stuck in the ground at the front of their tailgate, you know, just kind of Lord of the Flies style. And I, I loved it. I said, wow, this is LSU tailgating right here. That is awesome. I think I even posed with it. Um, so, yeah, hoping you guys can get an experience like that or at least, you know, uh, get something for Daniel's brothers so they can experience it like that. Um, but unless there's any other final thoughts, I think that'll pretty much do it for us here at Talking Tigs. Uh, of course, tune in next week. We're going to have the lsu a&m game to talk about sure going to be a doozy with all the emotions that are flowing over from last year and then we'll look forward to the sec championship game against georgia so 
Follow us, listen, and stay tuned because you're going to get more from Talking Tigs. Go Tigers!